0: i Owens, and you're listening to the Webby-nominated podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Book of the Month Club is this week's sponsor. They're offering listeners uh, their first book for only $5 with code Zibby, Z-I-B-B-Y. Again, that's code Zibby for your first book for $5 to Book of the Month Club, which by the way is amazing. I subscribe every month. I get to pick from five of their favorite books. Um, most of the time, one of them is is by an author I've had on my podcast and then it just arrives. I've given it as a gift, I adore it, and you will too. So think of it for gifts and um, for sure go on bookofthemonth.com and subscribe yourself. Erica Cerullo and Claire Mazer are the co-authors of Work Wife, The Power of Female Friendship to Drive Successful Businesses. They met at the University of Chicago in 2002 and founded Of A Kind in 2010. They have become known for discovering the next big things and launched a wildly popular weekly newsletter, 10 Things, and A Few Things, the podcast. They've been called the most influential people in New York fashion right now by Fashionista, InStyle's Best of the Web, and Forbes' 30 Under 30. Okay, so welcome to Erica and Claire to Mom's Down Time to Read Books. Thank you so much. We're so excited to be here. Thrilled. So nice. I have like a work-wife team. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like like the third wheel in this little marriage. We're happy to have you. Thank (laughs) you. Thank you. Yeah, bringing me in. So, work-wife your book. Tell listeners what it's about and what inspired you to write it.
1: Yeah. So the book is about the power of female friendship to build successful businesses, to drive successful businesses. And we wrote it because this is something, this is like what we've experienced in working together. So over the years, we've been working together almost nine years Mm -hmm. now. And over the years, our proudest career accomplishment has been the partnership we've built and the way that it's survived all of the highs and lows. And there have been so many highs and so many lows of building a business together, an e-commerce site called Of A Kind. And when we started looking around, we're like, oh, there's so many other people who have also taken this path, both in you know starting their own companies or organizations or working within larger organizations, and we wanted to shed light on that because I think you don't really hear the story of women partnering that much. You often hear, you know, the like classic tale is like, oh, women are catty, they don't work well together, and we that's not what we had
2: experienced or what we were seeing in the world around us. We were really interested in exploring what about our own partnership had made the business that we built stronger, like what how had our partnership and our friendship informed the way we we worked together in the business we had built as a result, but we didn't want to write a book that was just about the two of us. We didn't think that that, that there was really enough there. And so we set about interviewing other work wives and with the intention of exploring, like, how do other people do this? Because we knew for sure that there wasn't just one way. What are the commonalities? What are the differences? And also really wanting to just celebrate this thing that we saw happening around us, which was all of these really strong female partnerships that were leading to really successful, impactful, profitable businesses.
0: I love how you started off with pictures of all the work wife mm-hmm. teams. Mm-hmm. That's so nice because I feel like nobody does that in books anymore. Maybe, like, like, really why I really like not? the idea of putting a face with the name because yeah, you want to see yeah. these
1: people you want to see them sitting together on a couch or something even just to have that little amount of context
2: makes a difference it's a face it's a person erica comes from an editorial background so we you know our business is a retail business with a really strong editorial angle and i think she has always been able to sort of help me and and, and everybody in our business understand that when you can put a face with a story it makes such a big difference and i think that that was an important part of the book for us Yeah, for sure. That's awesome.
0: And how did you pick all those people? How did you
1: find the work teams and the right balance and everything? Yeah, I mean, it was hard. It was, like, definitely a puzzle. We wanted to represent a broad range of women across industries, across geographics, across demographics in different parts of the country. People who, you know had a big age gap between them, people who had different life experiences. We wanted to make sure that this wasn't just women in their 20s and 30s in New York and LA because there are plenty of those examples and that's exciting and that's part of the world that we you know, certainly came up in for mm-hmm. sure, starting a business in our mid-20s in New York. But it's been going on so much longer than that, and it just speaks to so many more people than that, and it would be sort of selling it short if we weren't representing more broadly.
0: You should have, like, maybe you already do this, but you should have, like, a Work Wives Facebook group for all the partners, like, all the teams. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. no, we really should. Yeah, yeah. And then everybody could be like, you know, you could get get tips for collaboration. I
2: mean, you have so many great tips in your book, but, you know. Well, and we learned so much from the women that we interviewed for the book. There were so many examples of times we were interviewing a duo, and they would explain how they did something, and we were like, why Why would, Why would? aren't we doing it that way? And I think the most impactful one that, that we talk about a lot was we interviewed the founders of Food52, Amanda Hesser and Meryl Stubbs. And in starting the business, Meryl had had two children over the course of the years, and they had had to figure out how to navigate her maternity leave during that. And when we were interviewing them, neither of us had kids, but I got pregnant, I guess, shortly thereafter. And we— sort of took the way that they handled Meryl's maternity leave and and made it our own. And I don't think we would have done that otherwise. So basically the, the crux of it is that Amanda had written Meryl an email every week telling her everything she needed to know about what was going on at the office and nothing she didn't. And it sounds really simple and like not that big of a deal. But when you think about the way most women are sort of left to their own devices on maternity leave and left to come back to the office sort of totally blind to what's been going on the last however many weeks it makes a huge difference to be kept in the loop and and so many women talk about struggles sort of coming back to the office after after being out and getting trouble getting up to speed and we that, were like, so on ramping yeah, issue yeah we were so sort of excited about this idea of like right why wouldn't you do something to keep your your work wife in the loop while she's gone so erica when i was gone actually came to my house once a week. No, twice a week, if you're forgetting already. <laughs> she came to my house twice a week. We would sort of run through everything we needed to talk about, and if it was just a rough day, she would, you know, just help hold the baby or whatever it was, and it made a huge difference for me. She knew how anxious I was about the idea of being out of the office for so long because, I, you know, it's it's our baby, too, and I was nervous about that, and it, it made a huge difference, and we were so grateful to Amanda and Meryl for being so open with us about what that had looked like for them.
0: Didn't well, Amanda have like a major breakdown or something? She did, yeah. This whole yeah. Thing. She <laughs> did,
1: like it was really hard on Amanda when Meryl was out. And I think that context was really helpful for me. I don't want to have kids and I knew that this was an experience that I would be at the office alone for the first time, you know, and, and having run this business together like we have. And just being able to go and see Claire and have context around what her life was like, that was even just huge for me to see, okay, this is, it It didn't feel like we were diverging. It didn't feel like she was like doing this other thing that I didn't have visibility into, you know? And so I think that even just like having that was core. And so many of these sessions that we had, these interview sessions with the WorkWise we interviewed felt, We at the end of them, people would be like, that felt like a therapy session. Because I do think that A lot of the women that we talked to and and ourselves as well, we hadn't taken the time to necessarily sit down and talk about the processes that were so core to making this relationship work. Or even what the relationship means in your life. Because it's not something—people like, you know, business partner is not really enough. Friend is definitely not enough. But it's like owning how important it is to you feels like kind of a leap in a way. Well, and it's funny because
2: I think, you know, in a lot of our other relationships— including marriages, you you come up with these systems, right? Like, here's how we're going to approach this thing together. Here's how we're going to handle finances. Here's how we're going to do this. And I think in some ways, a lot of that gets dropped when you're starting a business with a friend because you're like, well, we're friends. We know how to do this thing. We can We'll make it up as we go along. And I think one of the things the book really highlighted for us was that all of these things benefit from you getting together and deciding here's how we're going to approach this. Here's how we're going to approach co-managing. Here's how we're going to approach finances. Here's how we're going to approach... Fundraising, here's how we're going to approach your maternity leave. And taking the time to like agree on it and come up with it, I think. And systematize. Yeah, systematize has, is huge. And I think that was something we learned for ourselves through through the book writing process.
0: So how much of a successful work-wife relationship do you think is attributable to choosing the right partner to begin with versus making it work with someone based on how great you are at
1: systematizing
0: everything yeah. that comes
1: after? Or is it just both? I mean, I think, like, not to draw out the marriage comparison too strongly, but it's like you have to have the right partner, right? You have to have someone that you know you can, like, build this world with. But then you also have to work at it. Mm -hmm. And you also have to find the time to talk about the hard things, the stuff that you just really don't want to deal with, the logistics, the, like, nonsense that will undermine the foundation of the relationship if you don't. And you have to make time to not talk about those things Mm -hmm. and to just bond and be together. And, you know, I think— When the business is booming and things are going really well and we're both really busy, it's harder actually to find the time for the latter, to just be friends and to, like, shoot the shit and to talk to each other. And that's when we know we have to really, like, spend the time checking in so that we're not just two separate trains, you know, going in our own directions.
0: And do you find dividing responsibilities to be, like, do you ever— Like, I would feel like the biggest area of conflict would be control and who's doing what and delegating and all of that. And if you're both in charge, like, how do you manage that? It can be
2: confusing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's funny that you identified that so easily because I think a lot of people assume that in a partnership that the conflict comes from someone not doing enough. But you're right that at least in our relationship and I think in a lot of other work-wife relationships, it tends to be the opposite where it's like everybody wants to do everything. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that can be a bit of like a female characteristic when it comes to to work environments. And one of the things we talk about right up front in the book is that one of the most important things we've done in our work-wife relationship was sit down with a spreadsheet and put each of our names at the top of a column, and then on the rows, write down all of the responsibilities involved in the business, and each of us own one. You know, and, and sort of put an X by who owns what responsibility. And we've returned to that over the years so many times. And of course, now there's employees who who have also taken over some of those responsibilities. But we also, like, come back to it all the time and still te- step on each other's toes and, and get in, like, little, you know, Tifts. arguments, yeah, tips about <laughs> yeah. it. Um, yeah, it, it's really, it, it's challenging, especially because I think, the, you know, we're also both creative people. So it's not like, you know, I'm the technical co-founder and I just, you know, do all of the website stuff and Erica does all of the the creative stuff. We both, there's overlap in our proficiencies and so that can make it challenging. There's a new book out by a woman named Eve Rodsky. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've heard of it called mm-hmm. Fair Play. We yeah. are really excited to
1: read this book. Yeah. And we it's read the fair- Fast Company article about it a couple years yeah. ago. Yeah. So
0: it's, it's funny because it's very similar. She devises yeah. a whole system based on management theory, management yeah. systems. Well, anyway, that would be very valuable for people who are not just married, but they even have, like, cards. Like, you pick— as opposed to just the spreadsheet, yeah, yes.
2: anyway, she it would be an interesting I mean, it's funny because we say all the time that we have taken so many of our learnings from our own relationships and applied them to our marriages. and I, <laughs> I you know I can see how that would work, and we're really excited about that book. and I think that there are my like you know, if dishes is on a card
1: like or whatever, I think there's a similarity to a lot of the things that we've had to dole out over the years. It's like it's not that either of us is particularly predisposed to being good at this thing or has a special competency that lends them to this realm. It's just that these things need to be done Mm -hmm. and there are two of us and so we have to divide things into two piles. And so I do think that, you know, Claire manages customer service Because that's who manages customer yep. service, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think just having to like file those things and know that that's how it works is effective and productive for us. I don't think about it. It seems like communication and clear lines of responsibility yes. and authority
0: are just like so key to anything working. Yes, Very. yes. Very. And yet, like in my home, I don't do that at all. Yes. <laughs> no,
2: exactly. That's why I'm <laughs> like,
0: why do I not do that? I don't have that
2: system in place here. Like, yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think you know, in the early days of our working relationship, we didn't do it because it was that same idea of like well we're just friends we don't need to same as you're like well this is just my house I don't need to like Mm -hmm. put in these systems but you know everybody benefits it feels too
1: cumbersome it feels too like
2: heavy right exactly Mm -hmm. like but ultimately like
0: all these things if you put in the time it pays off and right Hundred percent. So tell me about of a kind and how you founded it, and now I'm like obsessed with the emails and oh, yes. I, like as if I needed yes. another thing to. You're welcome. Tempting. Another inbox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I yeah. mean, like yeah. the, the merchants, like sending
2: <laughs> things to buy, not the exactly. email. But tell me about starting it. Sure. So we started of a kind almost ten years ago. We came up with the idea in January of 2010. I was working in the art world, and Erica was working in magazines, and I was really excited about the changes, the changes that were taking place online in the art world. So all of these avenues were opening up for young artists to sell their work online and also for people who wouldn't necessarily be able to purchase artwork to buy it online. And I was interested in how that could potentially translate into something like fashion. And Eric and I got to talking about that. It was a sort of roundabout way, which is that I was actually applying to a job at a company called 20 by 200 that sells Art prints from emerging artists online, and Erica was helping me with my cover letter. It was like this sort of relationship we had, and they, where you know we would like go to each other with these like work challenges or questions for advice. And in thinking about what twenty by two hundred was doing, I was like, "Is there this opportunity to do this in the in the realm of fashion?" And Erica, who was working in magazines at the time, said, "Yes," and I think it's really important to incorporate storytelling in some way because you know if we're gonna be Selling the pieces of these young fashion designers who no one's ever heard of, we have to give them a reason to care. And I think also at that point, having worked in magazines for, you had been there like five Five years, you really saw the future of editorial and e-commerce. And you understood the power of storytelling to sell products. And so we started in 2010 with just selling limited edition pieces from fashion designers online. So some apparel, mostly accessories. And over the years, that's grown to include home products, kids' products, beauty products, and we've gone, and, and now it's no longer just limited edition. So we buy from the regular collections of designers and makers and still, still do the limited edition pieces. And the storytelling that we do has expanded to be not just about the designers whose pieces we sell, but we do a ton of just lifestyle content. We have our own podcast called A Few Things where we talk about all of our favorite discoveries. We have a newsletter called 10 Things that goes out every Monday that has a very sort of cultish following. And it's really just 10 things that we've discovered that week, whether it's a recipe, a book, a beauty product, and yeah, so we're, we're coming up shortly on the nine-year anniversary of the business, and it's exciting. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So
0: what next? Like, w- you have all of these things going. Like, I feel like you have, you know, it's like a popcorn machine. It's like <laughs> yeah. everything is popping. you got so much going on. Do you have any vision or goals that you haven't achieved or you're like, dreaming of?
1: Or? Uh, there are always things that pop up, and I mm-hmm. think we don't know exactly what the next, like, things are going to be. I mean, I think one of the things we've learned about ourselves over the years is that we have to have new creative pursuits to keep us both engaged. And I think that the book is a strong representation mm-hmm. of, of how yeah. that plays out. The book was optional which is really exciting. So, you know, who knows what will happen with that, but that was one of our dreams in writing the book because we think that being able to see this on a screen and being able to see a female professional and friendship relationship play out in that way would be new and something we have, just like haven't as a culture seen that much of.
0: I would love to watch that. Yeah. yeah. It sounds really yeah. yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to be following that. <laughs> Anything you learned that you think can help other people about having good relationships? Let's pretend mm-hmm. it's not even just at work. Let's yeah. say just yeah, yeah, between yeah, yeah. Yeah. friends or that
2: not mm-hmm. systematized, just any great overall. One of the more interesting things in the book was realizing that so many of the work wives we talked to either don't fight or, like, were not willing to own up to the fact that they fought, and— that hit home with us because for a really long time we never had disagreements and we didn't talk about the fact that we didn't have disagreements. We just like didn't. Do it. And we started seeing a management coach about five years into the business, and he immediately zeroed in on it as a major issue for us. He said, You need to learn need to, how to have disagreements. You gotta <laughs> do this. You need to have a fight. And he was right because obviously it wasn't as if we never got on each other's nerves or never disagreed. It's just I mean, we spend more time yeah. together than we do with anyone else in our lives. Of course, we drive each other crazy yeah. sometimes. And of course, we disagreed about things and we just were bottling it up and just sort of figuring, like, okay, we don't have the time in the day for a fight, or like, God forbid we have a fight and it turns into something big, like what? We have to keep running the business. So, you know, we can't well, go a into, meeting to yeah. into. Then what? Right. We were both just really scared of what it would look like. And so, you know, we started just practicing with pretty low stakes things. And it has been, I think, sort of like the single biggest thing that has improved our relationship is this ability and, and comfort level with having disagreements. And we talk about it a lot in the book because what we found is there are various findings via research that say that women just don't fight. Women are judged more harshly for when they fight with each other than if you know it's a man and a woman fighting or a man and a man fighting. So that's one reason women don't do it. The other reason is that women tend to bond over sameness. So if you say like I like this band and I say Oh my gosh, me too," that's the basis that can be the basis of of us as to me a friendship, being like, right? That, Ew. Yeah. <laughs> so then the inverse means that if you say like I like this band and I say I don't like this band, then that's somehow seen as me saying like I don't like you, right? And so we all want to, like, agree and we all want to just, like, keep things moving along smoothly. And But as we know, you know, fighting is part of a healthy relationship. And so I think our sort of tips for that are starting with low-stakes things, right? Asking somebody, you know, can you want to go for a walk? Do you want to go for a drive? Because bringing up challenging conversations is so much easier if you don't have to look people in the eye. Another thing is just, you know, ending meetings or conversations with the line, how are you feeling about everything? It's such an open-ended question that gives somebody the opportunity if they aren't feeling great to say that. And and maybe, you know, they'll send it back to you and that'll give you the opportunity to bring up the thing you've been wanting to say. So I would say that was one of the more impactful things for us in the book. And I think related
1: to those tips, for me at least, owning up to the fact that if I'm feeling something strongly enough, that's reason enough to surface it. Mm -hmm. Because I think I had this natural inclination to say like, well, it's not a real problem. This is just like a thing I'm feeling or it's like something that's bothering me and like I'm making too big of a deal about it or I'm like over, you know, over-dramatizing it and recognizing that if it's upsetting me that much, then it is probably, you know, affecting our relationship or affecting the way that we operate in a day-to-day way. So it's worth surfacing it and just saying like, this is a feeling I've been having and just so that you're aware that this is affecting me in that way. Even if that's not the intention, even if there's nothing you can do about it, but here's where we are.
0: And did you have to use some of these tools when writing this book?
2: Yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Totally. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because the thing we always say about the book is, you know, we had, we went into it having been working together for like seven or eight years at that point, and we knew really well how to work together. And despite the fact that we had all of these sort of ideas for how one does a successful working relationship, at no point did we sit down and say, how should we write this book together? We just dove right in. Mm -hmm. And, in retrospect, we looked back and we were like, why don't we sit down and say, here's how this is gonna go? And like, let's make sure we're both okay with this. And I think that again, you know, begat another lesson that, you know, when we're starting new things that we've never done before, let's actually take the time to sit down and say, How are we gonna approach this? Because Spoiler: Writing a book is nothing like starting a business. Like they're they're both really hard, and they both they um, have that in common. Yeah, they, <laughs> they both require you know you sacrifice a lot of sleep. But beyond that, they're totally different processes. And and what we should have done is, is sat down and said like, here's how we're doing it. Sometimes though, you have to experiment a little. Oh, of course. Course. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So how did you end up doing it? So we spent a lot of we did all the interviews together, we put together outlines together, and then I would write the first draft of chapters and I would kick that to Claire and Claire would edit them and then send them back to me and we would sort of go back and forth editing them until we were happy with the ways that they were. And spent then a lot of time in Google Drive.
2: Yes. And yeah, and didn't spend a ton of time together okay. in the actual writing process, which I think was probably helpful and nice too just because it requires so many long hours and being able to do that on your own schedule yeah. and, like, you know, in well, your own. You were own also way. marathon training. I during was training this time, for the marathon, which oh was like a gosh. whole Another
1: other way. thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it yeah. wasn't, I, I don't even know where our time together <laughs> would have been yeah. at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, is yeah. there anything you feel like you
0: don't have time to do given all the stuff you're doing? Like, is there anything you miss? Anything you've had to cut out of your lives? I'm just wondering.
2: I miss being creative because I think, and I, 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 you probably do too. I think, you know, we both got into this business because we like being creative and we were excited about writing stories and running photo shoots and picking out clothes and and thinking creatively about problems. And, you know, when you start a business, that ends up being... A really small percentage of your time. (laughs) And I, yeah, I'm like desperate to go take an art class or something like that just to sort of like reinvigorate that part of me.
1: Yeah, same. And I think for me, I've I've struggled to even figure out what those creative outlets are Mm -hmm. at this point, like what I'm even interested in because it feels like a long time since I've done any of those yeah. things. Yeah. Like, where would Same. I even go?
0: Maybe you guys need to hire, like, a, a new CEO. and you guys- Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just throwing this out there. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds maybe, good. Uh, yeah. maybe you've reached the point <laughs> where right. you can be, like, chief creative of <laughs> Yes. Exactly. Just saying. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, having survived the book writing process, mm-hmm. do you yeah. have any advice to someone about to undertake it or who wants to write a book or who oh. wants to write a
2: book with someone else? Well, you really loved that outline. Yeah. Um, that I someone sh- else wrote. Mm.
1: I should find it. I can't think of it off the top of my head. There is an outline. I'll send you the link for it. But basically, it helps you think about just like structure and tracking things. Because honestly, there was just like with all of these, you know, we had each chapter in different Google Docs. There were different versions of different chapters as things get edited. And just being able to keep tabs on where each of these things were. This document's with Claire. This is with our editor. This is, you know, where like everything lives Mm -hmm. and what the word count is of each of those components was super helpful just to feel like, if I look at this, I can kind of see a status report. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you so amazing. Much. Thank, thank you so much. for nice. coming on the yeah. show and sharing yeah. all
0: your advice. And now I feel like I've got to get myself a work wife. I'm you feeling a like little— You seem like you're doing okay on your own. No, but now I, you
2: know, you <laughs> seem like you're having a lot of fun. So. <laughs> <laughs> it is fun. It is, is fun. Yes. <laughs> thank <laughs> you so thank much. You. Thanks, Sibby. Yeah.
0: This episode has been sponsored by Book of the Month Club, bookofthemonth.com. Enter code Zibby to get your first book for $5. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. You can follow me on Instagram at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You can always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com.